Hey everybody, Leah Slaughter. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope your Monday hasn't been quite as crazy as mine, but very excited to get to sit down for a few minutes and do something that I love, which is bring information to you. So as I mentioned in the marketing email that I sent out for this class today, there has been an order update from the Supreme Court. And I am, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're taking some steps in the right direction. And I think that this is probably not gonna be the last change or modification or clarification that we're going to see. Very, very happy to have Daniel pause with us here again today. Thank you so much, Daniel, for taking time out of your day to do this with us. You're very welcome. So before we get started, as always, everything we're gonna talk about today is our best information, guesses, and guidance based on years of experience, my own personal investment journey, and ownership of a real estate firm. And of course, Daniel is here as a colleague to help give us guidance, but he is not our attorney, he's not your attorney, and nothing that he is doing today constitutes legal advice. Of course, I do encourage you, if you have legal questions, he's a great resource to use to reach out to. And Daniel, on those lines, before we get started, I'm gonna have you just tell us a little bit of background. Everyone, I do just wanna give a reminder that we have a class tomorrow on how to sell investment property. And this will be with Will Clark, our investment sales specialist, who's been with us for over five years, and he is absolutely fantastic. So he and I will be talking tomorrow about the 1031 sale process and how that works. We talk a lot about the buying process, but of course that's the fun, easy part. We wanna talk about the sales side and how really easy, as long as it's done right, that side can be too, especially with a tenant in place. So before we go into this Supreme Court modification, Daniel, again, tell us just a little bit about yourself and your practice. Uh, yes, uh, thanks, Leah. Uh, yes, I'm a landlord tenant attorney in the DFW area. I've been doing it since 2001. Uh, I represent landlords, property owners, property management companies uh, in disputes with tenants, uh, ranging from the eviction cases, which we'll discuss today, uh, to bankruptcy issues, as well as uh, security deposit disputes that tenants may have, habitability claims, code enforcement issues, uh, and vendor disputes as well. Uh, I've been also on my own now for three plus years, uh, representing uh, again, landlords and property managers. And I'm very familiar with the processes in Denton County, Dallas County, Collin County, Tarrant County, as well as the federal courts here in the Northern and Eastern districts here in Texas. Uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys. And like Leah said, if you ever have a legal need, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to discuss these matters uh, with you at any time. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you again, Daniel, for being here. I'll remind everybody we have a question box on the right if you have any questions over the material that we are discussing. I'm going to start with having Daniel do an overview of what this Supreme Court order says, and then we're going to go over the bullet points of really what you need to know. So, Daniel, take it away. All right. Thank you, Leah. Okay. Uh, so, what we have here is the 25th emergency order from the Texas Supreme Court. And this order was in direct response to the CDC uh, uh, moratorium on evictions, the declaration that came out on September 4th of this year. Uh, for those of that maybe on prior conferences calls with us, uh, there was a lot of discussions about how that CDC order uh, was gonna be used in court and how the procedures are gonna be. And this 25th emergency order uh, attempts to address that and give us some guidance on how this policy is gonna work. Uh, going forward, okay? Uh, so the 25th emergency order uh, starts with kind of a 
review of the prior orders, which dealt with the CARES Act. Uh, it requires you to make certain representations when you file your eviction actions. And the main thing I want to point out to this is that under Section 3 of this uh, emergency order, this is going to apply to any eviction, okay, any action to recover possession of personal of residential property. So even though the CARES Act and the CDC moratorium order only go to evictions for non-payment of rent, this Supreme Court order is written broadly, so it applies to any action. So when we're talking about any eviction, whether it be for non-payment of rent, for prohibited conduct, uh, for lease violations, for holding over, uh, whatever the cause may be, if you're asking for possession of residential property, you're going to have to comply with this 25th emergency order. Okay. So when you go into court and you, or when you go to the courthouse and you try to file your eviction and they ask you to make these representations, understand it's required, even though your eviction case may not be covered because it's an eviction for something other than non payment of rent. Okay. So what is required under the 25th emergency order? Uh, there are requirements imposed on you as the party filing the eviction, as well on the courthouse and on the tenant uh, who is disputing the eviction. And it gives all sides certain rights and remedies on how to enforce this CDC uh, moratorium order. So, again, the first thing you're going to do is when you go down to the courthouse and you file your eviction, the courthouse is going to ask you to make certain representations to them. Okay. And these are a mixture of the CARES Act and the CDC moratorium. Okay. The first question it's going to ask you to state is whether or not you are a covered dwelling subject to Section 4024 of the CARES Act. Okay. And what this requires you to determine is whether or not you have a federally backed mortgage or you participate in some sort of federal housing assistance program. Because if you do, then you're covered under the CARES Act and there are certain obligations you have to comply with regarding the amount of notice to be given and when the notice could be given. So that's the first question it's going to ask you. It's asking you the premises, whether or not they're covered as a covered dwelling. The second question it's going to ask you, and this one has caused confusion in the past, and I want to point out to make sure everyone understands what this question is, it's asking you to verify whether or not you are a multifamily borrower under forbearance subject to Section 4023 of the CARES Act. Okay, 4023 is different than 4024. Okay, uh, under 4024, uh, the moratorium on giving notices to vacate expired on July 25th. Okay, 4023 has an unlimited moratorium to the extent that you receive a forbearance. So if you are a property that is receiving forbearance on your federally backed loan, then you cannot give a notice to vacate or proceed with an eviction against a tenant. So that is a different question than what is under 4024. Uh, I've seen a lot of clients being in court the last couple of weeks that have misstated that and had to do some explanation explaining to the court as to what they are and what they are not. So be aware that the second question that the plaintiff is a multifamily borrower under forbearance subject to section 4023 is a different question okay and probably for a majority of you that's not going to you're not going to be that you don't have a forbearance from your lenders or you don't have a multifamily mortgage so be sure you're aware of that the other one in addition to the cares act requirements is that you've provided the defendant with a 30 days notice to vacate under section 4024c and 
E of the CARES Act, okay? So again, that is your requirements for the CARES Act, okay? And those have been in place under prior versions of the Supreme Court order uh, and just been reiterated uh, going forward. Now, now this is where- Yes. Here and let me just stop you here. So one of the things that we've been discussing and just as an industry is prior to this Supreme Court modification or clarification, there was this question as to whether or not we had to give a 30 days notice with a balance that was from after July. This seems to be putting this in black and white that we do. What is your interpretation here? Uh, my interpretation is that it's still an open question, but until there's a clear answer, any guidance we can get, any indication that we can get, whether it be from a state court or a federal court, uh, is to be used and relied upon. And I agree, this does provide some evidence that the courts are requiring that there be a 30-day notice given. Okay. Now, it's still an open question, and I still advise you to seek legal counsel if you have questions about that. Uh, but going forward, you know, this appears it can be used as some guidance to argue uh, that a 30-day notice is required. Uh, I know for sure tenant attorneys will probably rely upon this to support their position at this and point. Of course, th this is talking about backed mortgages, everyone. So we're talking about your Fannie Mae type mortgages here. We're not talking about cash borrowers, correct, Daniel? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Now, now here again, this is where it changes from prior orders from the Supreme Court. Here is where they're starting to directly address the CDC uh, moratorium order. And it's going to require you that when you file your petition, that you uh, must state whether or not you have received from the defendant a declaration from the CDC's moratorium order. Uh, that we've discussed before is a simple statement made under the penalty of perjury in which they address certain items uh, that they claim that they are uh, have attempted to receive uh, government housing assistance to assist in their rental payments uh, that they make less than $99,000 a year or 198 if married uh, that they receive a stimulus check under the CARES Act uh, that they'll be homeless or forced to live in a communal setting if they're evicted uh, and that they've used their best efforts, you know, to pay a portion uh, of the rent to you, okay? So what the Supreme Court is asking you under their initial statements is that you need to declare whether or not you receive that declaration, okay? And that's important because that declaration, if you receive it, could potentially stall your eviction process, okay? Bring it to a halt, okay? So the first portion of the order addresses what you as a landlord have to do when you file your eviction. You've got to make these four representations to the court uh, when you file it. It has to be either in the original petition or for some reason you've not had any original petition in an amendment or supplement. Now, uh, my experience is that some courts are modifying their petitions that you're able to get at the courthouse with these questions. Others are requiring you to sign a CDC declaration uh, which is a separate form, and some are also requiring you to file a CARES Act uh, declaration, which is also a separate form. So be prepared when you go down to the courthouse to complete those forms uh, when you move forward with your evictions. And again, that's to any eviction, not just non-payment of rent. Okay, so that's your obligation as a landlord when you file your eviction. Okay, uh, the second part of the uh, Supreme Court order goes to what is required 
of the uh, courthouse. What are they required to do? And this is where we are talking about uh, you know, the clerks, the constables, preparation of the citation. And for those uh, that need a refresher, a citation is the legal document that a constable goes out to the residents and serves on the tenant that tells them, you've been sued. You're being sued for this. This is your court date. You need to appear in court. That is the citation, okay? That is something that you pay for when you pay your filing fees, and it's something that is prepared and issued by the courthouse, okay? So this is not something that you have to do. This is what the court has to do. And what the court has to do is they've got to include in their citation in addition to those statements I made about you've been sued, this is your court date, things of that nature, they've got to include a statement that says the Centers for Disease Control issued an order stopping some eviction. You may be able to stop your eviction if you sign the attached declaration under penalty of perjury for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's temporary halt in evictions to prevent further spread of COVID-19 and provide it to your landlord and the court. Before signing the declaration, read it carefully and make sure all the statements are true. The declaration is sworn, meaning you cannot you can be prosecuted, go to jail, or pay a fine if any of the statements are not true. Find out more about the order at TexasLawHelp.org. So, in addition to that statement, which again is going to be notifying your residents of the uh, potential remedy of using the CDC order, they also have to provide them with a copy of the declaration form. Okay. And that form, you know, is what is attached to the CD order or something similar, which has been, you know, uh, drafted by someone in compliance with the requirements of the CDC order. OK, so the Supreme Court order now tells courts you need to notify. Residents that they may have rights under the CDC order and the way they go about doing that is they now include language in the citation that advises them of that and more importantly, gives them a declaration to complete okay it makes it very easy for the tenants uh, to uh, invoke the protections of the cdc order it advises them of the rights and it gives them the actual form to do so okay so that is the requirements of what the courthouse needs to do under this texas supreme court order okay section c of the order talks about what a judge can do OK, and it gives the judge, you know, the same authority it has regarding the CARES Act in the ability to develop the case. They can ask you if you haven't already put it in this, your petition, whether or not you are a covered property, uh, whether or not uh, you have given a proper 30 day notice to vacate, whether or not you're a multifamily borrower. OK, so it gives the court you know those same rights it had previously to develop the case and find out whether or not you've complied with the CARES Act. But since this is a response to the CDC order, it also now gives them the right to question and develop the case as to whether or not the defendant is aware of the CDC order and has had an opportunity to complete the CD declaration or a similar declaration. So not only are the uh, tenants going to be notified of this order, uh, when they receive their citation. Now, when they go to the courthouse on the day of court, the judge has the ability to further ask them about it, see if they're aware of it, and if they've had an opportunity. And I suppose if they've not had an opportunity, they're going to give them the opportunity there at the courthouse in the middle of trial 
to complete and submit the declaration. Okay, so now the tenants now have a second opportunity to invoke the protections of the CDC moratorium. And it goes, and I'll back up a little bit on that for those that didn't attend the prior class. The CDC moratorium prevents an eviction from going forward for non-payment of rent until after December 31st, 2020, okay? So it's a significant moratorium uh, that that CDC order imposes. And here it gives not only the uh, court the obligation to notify the tenant of the rem remedy of the CDC order, but also gives the judge the ability to do so as well and question uh, the tenant about their ability to execute that declaration okay so that's the first three parts of it okay and those you know are all directly addressed to what is required of you as the follower of the eviction what is required of the court as the issue of the citation and what is allowed of the judge as he develops the case in this matter okay D of the order is kind of where we get some answers as to how do we go about challenging a CDC order that we receive. You know, uh, in our prior presentations, there was an open question as to are we just to accept it at face value? If we receive it, are we halted? Do we have any remedy to challenge it? And what D has done in the Supreme Court order is answered that question to an extent. Okay. And when I see it answered to an extent, is that it's very specific, okay? If it says, if a defendant provides the CDC declaration or similar declaration to the plaintiff after a petition is filed, okay? So we're not talking about if you get it before you file your petition, we're talking about after a petition is filed, okay? So you file your eviction action, you've gotten no CDC declaration, you represented to the court and you're filing that you've not received a CDC declaration. Uh, the citation goes out to the constable. The constable goes out there and serves it with the required disclosure, with the required form. Then at that point, either before court or at the trial, the tenant walks in and says, here's my declaration. Okay, what is required? And what is required in that situation after the eviction is filed is that the defendant must file the declaration with the court and serve you a copy of the declaration okay so it's no longer just them handing it to you they got to serve it or have to file it with the court okay so there's two things they need to do file it with the court file it with the court and then give you a copy of the declaration okay if they do that okay then it states the course must abate the eviction action including the issuance and execution of any writ of possession under texas rule the civil procedure 510.8D, except as provided in paragraph four, which we'll go over here in a minute. So what this means is that if you are still in the eviction process, meaning you do not have possession of your property, the court must abate it. And that means they must stop, okay, and not let it go forward. So if you got your judgment and you still didn't have the declaration and you paid for your writ and the constable's out there getting ready to execute it, and then they file the declaration with the court and serve you with the declaration, then it has to stop, okay? You don't get to go forward with your writ of possession, okay? So that is, you know, what happens when it is filed, or when the declaration is given to you after the eviction is filed, okay? So 
what can you do when that happens? Okay. Well, then you as a landlord have a right to contest it. Okay. And that's where uh, section four of the uh, Supreme Court order addresses that. Okay. It says an eviction action covered by paragraph 3D, which is the fact that we talked about an eviction file in which you receive a declaration after it's been filed, may nevertheless proceed if, but only if. And it lists these elements. One, the plaintiff contests the defense declaration or the CDC order. Okay. So the first thing you must do is you must file a contest uh, with the county court saying you're contesting the declaration. Okay. Uh, you said county court I, for that? I'm sorry? You said county court for that? Uh, no, you'd be at the JP court. Still at the JP court level. Okay, I missed her. Still at the JP court. Yes, still at the JP court level. Uh, the Supreme Court rules are written, uh, you know, looking at what would happen at the JP court level. At the county court level, you know, uh, they sit in the same position as the JP court level. So they would be, in theory, subject to the same rules as the JP court when they're hearing an eviction case. Okay. Uh, so at the JP court level, you follow a contest. Uh, right now, I haven't seen any official forms uh, that the court has promulgated that says, here's what you need to fill out to contest it. But it should be just simply as writing a letter, perhaps an email uh, that you file with the court that says, I, plaintiff, no contest the no declaration of tenant. Uh, I request a hearing uh, to be set on the contest. Okay, something as simple as that, uh, I imagine will, will work. Okay. Uh, then, once you file your contest, the judge holds a hearing to determine whether the action should proceed, okay? And the third step, the judge determines that the action should proceed and signs a written order stating the reasons for the determination that the action should proceed and the procedures for the action to proceed, okay? Uh, so the way it's supposed to work is that you file your contest, you request a hearing. At that hearing, you as a landlord uh, will be expected to bring your evidence as to why you're contesting the declaration. Uh, if you believe that they make over $99,000 a year, you need to bring your evidence that shows on their application or their pay stubs that they make more money than that. Okay. Uh, if you believe that they've not uh, attempted to get housing assistance, you need to bring whatever documentation you have to show that they've not applied for housing assistance things of that nature. The burden is going to be on you uh, to challenge it, okay? So you bring me what evidence you have. Now, if the court sides with you, then they will sign a separate order that says this matter will proceed, and that order is supposed to state why they ruled that way. No, they found the declaration untruthful because it did not establish uh, that they made less than $99,000 a year or it did not establish that they uh, attempted to obtain housing assistance. Something along those lines, depending on the facts specifics of each case, okay? Then it says the procedures for the action to proceed. Now, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, I imagine that means they're just gonna say it's gonna be set for trial on this day, and you, the parties will need to come back and argue the case. Uh, I don't know what other procedures that they could be putting in place. The Supreme Court order doesn't tell them what procedures uh, that are to be in place. 
but it's an eviction action. So I imagine it will just reset the case for trial at a later date. Okay. And so that's, you know, your rights as a landlord to challenge the declaration once the eviction petition has been filed. Okay. Uh, now this order is effective immediately. So it came out on September 17th. So any pending evictions that you have are subject to this order uh, from the Supreme Court up until December 31st of 2020. I'm uh, sorry, not December, December 15th, excuse me, December 15th of 2020, okay? Unless it's extended by the court going further, okay? So that's the new uh, no rule book that we need to follow going forward with our eviction cases and uh, how it's to be handled you know, court by court, we'll see. Uh, but this is the procedure that you need to be aware of and not be surprised when you go to the courthouse as to why they're asking me to fill out all this information. Why are they asking me this question? Uh, they're doing this because the Supreme Court has ordered them to follow these eviction matters pursuant to uh, the CDC uh, order on eviction moratoriums. So, manage for we handled that whole process for you but there are some forms that they're going to require you sign so we will send those over to you to sign now daniel one thing that i think a lot of people are going to be curious about is what happens if they provide that order or the certificate before the eviction is filed how do we challenge it and move forward with that or are you in the same mindset that i am that they've really been kind of unclear about that I agree with you. Uh, it, it's unclear. Uh, the, as I mentioned in the order, they only set rule for procedure when it comes to an eviction that has already been filed and you get the declaration. It doesn't give us any instruction as to what we're to do if we get it beforehand. You know, you give out your notice to vacate for non-payment of rent and they give it to you or perhaps before. Uh, at whatever stage, as long as it's before the actual eviction being filed there is no clear guidance on that okay uh so you need to seek legal counsel as to you know the pros and cons of pursuing an eviction action uh with that because uh prior to this order you know if you filed the eviction you know and you got the challenge you could possibly argue that there would be there should be a hearing before the jp court judge which would still be a possibility i believe uh, but you just need to get legal counsel to talk about the pros and cons, because if you're found to be in violation of the CDC order, it does carry a monetary penalty and potential imprisonment. Uh, so you want to be sure that you are well informed of your options and the risk you're going to take. But that is definitely still an open question, even after this uh, emergency order from the Texas Supreme Court. It only covers the challenge procedure when you receive the declaration after you filed your eviction. The one thing that I do like is that it removes the fear of teeth from challenging this. And if we do file the contest, it's not as if if we lose, we're going to have these you know, legal responsibilities for fines or jail time or all those things that we were all really unclear what would happen if we were wrong. This does not say that if you file a contest that there's going to be these penalties that happen if you're wrong. And so that was one thing I was happy to see in this. Yes, yes. It gives us, you know, the, the blessing, so to speak, of the Supreme Court saying you're not in violation of the CDC order by following a procedure that we expressly laid out for you to follow. Yeah, yeah. 
And then one question I did have, and I just want to clarify, this is a Texas Supreme Court order. This is not a national Supreme Court order. This applies to Texas. That is correct. This governs uh, all courts in Texas and Texas only. Now, while other states may adopt similar rules and procedures, uh, what we're discussing here today is specifically related to the 25th emergency order regarding the COVID-19 state of disaster in the state of Texas, not any other jurisdictions. So at this point, the things that are important from this and what you should have is your takeaway. Number one, if you have a CARES mortgage, we're gonna be doing 30-day notices moving forward. It's the only safe way to do it until someone says otherwise. And that's because the last thing we wanna do is provide our standard quick notice, we get to court and they invalidate it and then we're stuck filing again. And of course, that's all assuming that we're not provided with this CDC certificate. Now, I will say at this time, we have only been provided with five, which for our size of portfolio, I think is very, very low. My assumption is that as these start hitting court dates, we're gonna start getting more, they're gonna start challenging it in the courtroom, but that's a much better situation than getting them on the front end, because getting them again on the front end, there's no clear challenging position here of exactly how we can move forward with the contest if we've not yet filed that case. The other thing that you should take away from this is that we do have the ability to contest, and that is a clarification that I'm very glad we have, because we were all coming up with creative ways of how we were going to do it, what the jurisdiction was going to be, and I think it's still yet to be determined what's going to happen if we could win one of these and prove that a tenant has been dishonest or falsified that document. So that's yet to be determined. And then the last thing that I think is important to keep in mind is that these tenants are going to have this option of this CDC certification provided to them at every turn. And so it was bad before, it's worse now. If they don't know about it already, they will. If they don't know about it when they file, they will. So be prepared that if you are evicting a tenant that this is a significant possibility. Now, there's a few different avenues that we're going to be taking. I mentioned on the last class, if you attended, one of them is going to be employment verifications, looking to see if they can prove up or if we can confirm if their employment has in fact changed. Additionally, we'll be asking them for documentation of them submitting for housing assistance and about their employment. I can tell you the five people who've provided it, we have sent that request and we have received nothing. One of those did just come in this morning though. We will also be making sure that we are making sure the tenants are aware that partial payments as much as possible are something that is outlined in that declaration. And so if nothing else, hopefully we can get as much of the rent as possible as we go. I will say that our balances are down about 10% this month as opposed to last month. And so we definitely are trending in the right direction. And again, our eviction rate was already pretty low. So I do think things are moving in the right direction. And then for those of you that are not aware, we did have some changes open up, opening up Texas a little bit more. We've still got bars closed, but we are seeing increase in restaurant staffing, elective procedures, a lot of positives for some of the people who are still out of work or on unemployment to get back to work. So I do think we're gonna continue to see improvements in that sector as well. I will again give you some guidance that this is fluid and we really don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We really don't know what changes are going to come next. 
We will continue bringing you these updates as we move forward and doing our best to interpret them and provide those that can interpret them to give you guidance on it. Now, Daniel, one thing I'm being asked a lot right now is what happens if the tenant is in the military or if they are on housing assistance? How does that affect this? What do you know about that? Okay, well, military uh, duty uh, tenants have a special set of rights, uh, meaning you're not able to evict them or take a default judgment against them if they're actually serving in the military, which is why you're required to fill out when you file your eviction cases here in Texas, you know, the military status affidavit in which you declare whether or not they're in the military. Because if they're in the military, uh, then they are entitled, you know, you cannot take a default judgment. They're entitled to have an attorney appointed to represent them, an attorney ad litem uh, to attempt to work out the eviction matters. So they have special rights uh, under the law outside and apart from the CDC moratorium and the CARES Act, okay? Uh, those receiving housing assistance, uh, those will likely, you know, subject to your uh, HAP contracts uh, with your residents, uh, will be governed by the CARES Act. You'll need to comply with the requirements of the CARES Act to go forward. Again, the CARES Act is not as broad as the CDC, meaning they can still take advantage of the CDC uh, moratorium order, even though they are covered by the CARES Act already. They can, you know, uh, they're entitled to the extra protection that the CDC requires. Uh, so there are additional rights granted to both those in the military and those receiving housing, uh, but the CDC order you know, applies to them just like they would anybody else. Perfect. Thank you for that. And then before we close, does anyone have any final questions? It looks like we've addressed these that I have here, but if you have any final thoughts, please don't hesitate to submit those now. Now, Daniel, one more thing I'll ask you, have you heard anything about any other changes upcoming or pending, or is there anything you've experienced in your own cases that you'd like to share with the last week since we met? Uh, well, since the last time we've met, I've actually, you know, prior to this, order coming out had a successful challenge in a court in Tarrant County in which we were able to successfully defeat a declaration on the basis that uh, the declaration that had been submitted was actually submitted and completed by an individual who is not on the lease, in essence, an unauthorized occupant. Uh, so even prior to this order coming out and establishing a procedure to challenge a declaration, uh, the courts in Tarrant County were willing to consider those challenges before then. And the order that came out just justifies that they're acting correctly in that procedure. Uh, the other thing that you're gonna likely see is that uh, until we have a few weeks uh, of this being in place, uh, a lot of judges are gonna be very lenient uh, in this process. Uh, had some hearings today uh, in which exercising their authority to develop a case uh, that they, you know, granted some continuances, uh, short continuances to allow uh, tenants to file the declaration when the tenants testified that they had not been made aware of it. Um, and again, their citations didn't have the new language uh, that the new citations are gonna have after the 17th of September. So that may not be a argument going forward, uh, but at least in all these cases that are been caught in the middle ground uh, that were filed after the moratorium on the CARES Act notices, and the entrance of this order and the CDC order, there will be some, I believe, some additional leniency in enforcing uh, these requirements. 
Perfect, thank you for that. And then I do have one last question from someone, and the question is, do they have to meet all of the criteria on the CDC order, or is it just enough to make under the required amount of income? They have to meet all the requirements. Uh, the, the use of the word and in there, so it has to meet all the requirements. The only option really there is that when it comes to income, uh, income, uh, they can show that uh, they make less than $99,000 a year, uh, or that they received a stimulus check under the CARES Act, or uh, they've had a loss of income. So other than that, they have to prove all of the elements. Perfect. Daniel, as always, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on to give us all this information, and I'm sure we will be hearing from you again soon with more changes. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Take care.